even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them in a flood, they are like a slip. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withered. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your words. Your words are like honey. They are so sweet. And so, Father, help us to feast on your word this morning. But my prayer is also grant us wisdom and understanding as we listen and I, as I proclaim your word this morning. Speak to us, O oh Father, in a very, very personal way. Especially, Father, for those who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit will just convict them and speak to them in a very personal way. Lord, we thank you for the past days. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that uh, you've showered upon us. Your faithfulness, O oh Lord, indeed, are new every morning. That's why we are here, O oh Father, to worship you corporately in spirit and truth. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for what you will do this morning. I continue to pray for those who celebrated their birthday and are celebrating their birthday this coming week. Be with them, O oh Lord. Grant more years, O oh Lord, in their lives so they can worship you and not only worship you, but serve you, O oh Lord, and be a blessing into this world. For those who are celebrating their marriage uh, anniversary, Lord, be with them also, Lord. I pray that every day will be sweeter as, you know, Lord, they, they join in this life together as husband and wife. Father, for those who are not feeling well continually, O oh Father, I pray that you will touch their body. Let them know, O Lord, that you are the God that sustains them. You are the God who, who heals. And Father, we thank you so much, even for those emotionally and spiritually, O Lord, down. I am praying that you will encourage them through your words this morning. Father, I pray for America. And Lord, we are so divided because of the worldview and biblical view. O Lord, I pray that you will revive this nation. This nation, O Lord, is founded upon your words. May we not forget, O oh Lord, that you are always in control, no matter what. We're human beings. We're frail. My prayer, O oh Lord, for all Americans is to know you, O oh Lord, in a deeper way, in a personal way. So use your words today. Lord, if there will be revival, I am praying that you will start in me and start in every individual who are listening today. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace be you. We all know that here in America, we have four kinds of zone, time zone. We have Eastern time, and now it's 2 o'clock in the Eastern part of this America. And we have Central time, there are two hours ahead of us. And we have Mountain time, and here we have the Mountain time. And for all of you who don't know, we don't have any... Uh, uh, Daylight saving time. So our time here is constant. Here in Arizona, we don't change. And there is this fourth. We call this the Pacific time. Uh, they have it in, of course, in California and some part of uh, states in this Pacific area. You see, in, in a world controlled by clocks and calendars, Recorded years, numbers in the thousands, the idea of eternity seems somehow impractical. The question is this, is eternity real or just an idea? The Bible is an equivocable, or equivocal, I should say, on that matter. Why? Because God dwells 
in eternity. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, he has put eternity in the heart of every individual. Whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, God gave you an eternity in your heart. Uh, let, uh, we will take a look at that more later. And what is that eternity in your heart? For some people, the idea of eternity is right up near the top of the category of hardest to believe ideas in the Bible, quote, end quote. Some people struggle with this idea that God is eternal. And by the way, that is the message, the title of our message this morning, Knowing an Eternal God. They struggle with, with, with the attribute of God and even with the word or the idea of eternal. Though we hear this word often, eternal, eternal, still some people struggle. They struggle with the idea of no beginning and there will be no end to time. And that's why there are two groups of people. We call them the atheist and also we call them the agnostics. You see, an atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God. Atheist, theof from the word God, Theo. A, in, in, in Greek, if you hear the word A, means no. Nothing, nil. And so they believe that there is no God. Atheist, that's a Greek, from a Greek word. So it's someone who doesn't believe in a God. While an agnostic is someone who doesn't believe it is possible to know for sure that God exists. Now, did you know that it is possible to be both an, an, an agnostic atheist? You can be an agnostic atheist. This agnostic atheist doesn't believe, but also doesn't think we can ever know whether a God exists. I do believe, of course, uh, in my personal observation, as I read stories of other people who claim to be atheist and agnostic, is that they really cannot comprehend the many attributes of God. They try to solve the problem, they try to solve the puzzle in their own understanding. That's why when they can't explain it, they said, there is no God. But again, the Bible is very clear about the issue, about the eternality of God. The Bible says that God is eternal, which means He exists endlessly. As far backward and forward as you can look, you will see God. There was never a time when he was not. And never will be a time when he will cease. God is forever and ever. He is eternal. Connected to God's alwaysness. In his everywhereness. Eternity means... He has no beginning or no end with regard to time. Remember the reason why, why I share with you this time because we are bound by time. We live by time. We have weeks. We have 24 hours a day. Our life is bound by time, by weeks, by months, by years, by decades. And so when we try to comprehend the attributes of God about eternality as a human being, because we are limited in our mind and understanding, we struggle. 
no beginning or end with regard to time. And omnipresence means he has no limit as to space. Omniscience, no limits as to knowledge. Many Bible verses speaks of the eternity of God. Isaiah 55, uh, 57 verse 15, Isaiah refers to the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. I, I want you to understand the word inhabits eternity. What does that mean? The Lord inhabits eternity. Eternity is like a house to God. A place where he dwells. That's why Isaiah said he inhabits eternity. Psalms 90 verse 2, the passage that we read this morning, it declares that from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I like Moses' description. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You know what? It's okay to struggle with comprehending the eternity of God or any of his unlimited attributes. Why? Because if we could understand him fully, he would be no greater than ourselves. You see, God has to be imponderable and incomprehensible to be God, doesn't he? If we can comprehend fully God, then we also are God. But we are not. And that's why Moses wrote this song about eternity of God and man's frailty. He is eternal. We are not eternal. He is unlimited. We are limited. And so it's okay to struggle. So, oh, you know what? We would be disappointed if we could unravel all the mysteries of God. There would be little room for faith. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we live by faith and not by what? By sight. If we 100% will understand God, then faith is no longer valid. We have to go as far as our limited understanding will take us and then we hit a wall of non-understanding. And when we hit the wall of non-understanding, we get there, we drop to our knees and we declare. And this is what we need to declare. God, you are beyond finding out. You are greater than my understanding. What I understand about you I worship. And what I can't understand, I live for you to teach me or not teach me in this life according to your will. But in any case, I worship you as the eternal God. Amen. Oh yes. And here's what we know about God's eternal nature. Number one. God existed before time began. God existed before time began. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it contains very familiar words to most people. What is that familiar word? In the beginning, God. I know all of us probably read this, even this first verse of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Those four words, in the beginning God, summarize the doctrine of God's eternity. When the beginning began, God was there. Now I want for us to notice that this beginning of course refers to the beginning of the creation we call earth or perhaps the beginning of the universe. Listen, not God's beginning. Did you get the idea? Whenever that 
which has been created began, God has already there to create it. I don't know if you heard about the question, where was God when God created the earth? They have the idea that God is a human being limited. Where was God standing when God created the earth? You see, those types of questions are questions in which we really, you know, operate in what we call time and also uh, what we call this limit place. Why? Again, the question talks about when, 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 when we ask the question, where was God? Standing when God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> uh, that's why here it is very important for us to know that uh, God doesn't have any beginning. And whenever that which has been created began, God was already there to create it. One writer describes the difficulty in trying to comprehend God's eternity. And this is what he said. It is a concept that we... Creatures of physical world cannot even begin to comprehend. It is like the blind trying to comprehend the sunset. How many of you, you have a blind friend, uh, try to discuss and explain to him what sunset is? Or try to explain a person who was born blind, try to explain the color green. He cannot comprehend. No wonder how you describe uh, trees. They have green leaves. He doesn't even, you know, saw trees. You see, this is us. Neither can we conceive a world without time or space. We can speak of it. We can think of it. But the truth is that we cannot really imagine a phenomenon so foreign to our experience that anything is without which dominates our lives every day without time. That's who we are. C.S. Lewis also had a helpful idea about how to compare time with eternity. Uh, if you could take, he said, if you could take hundreds of pieces of white paper, say eight, eight and a half by 11 in size and take them all together to form a huge white backdrop. Then take the giant white curtain and tape it to the side of a large skyscraper. Then take a pencil and go to the middle of that backdrop and make a small line about eight of an inch long. Eight inch long on that huge white backdrop. The line would represent time against the expanse of eternity. You see, time is a mere blip, a small mark compared to eternity. And of course, the illustration breaks down when you get to the edges of the white backdrop as if eternity had limits. But in reality, the white sheets go on forever and ever and ever. And what we only see is that eight inches long line. That's who we are. That's our understanding about eternity. Time is only a blip. God is the white backdrop and the span of history on earth is time. And so therefore we exist against him as the backdrop for everything. Number two, not only God existed before time, Secondly, God exists in the past, present, and the future, listen to the word, at the same time. No one can do this. No human being can do this, exist at the same time. And that's why we, we love cameras. Here at church, again, we have cameras because we want to see at the same time. It's still, it is limited. Even though we have four angles here, it is it's still limited. But when it comes to who our God is, same moment, same time, He exists, past, present, and future. One of the most amazing men uh, uh, is, was, was a preacher in his late 90s. His name is Andy. Uh, he shared his stories about his pastor's friend as well. Uh, he lives in, in Florida. And, and this guy, he was... He had never been divorced, but 
uh, was married to his third wife. How, that, how did that happen? Uh, the first two had died at much younger ages. <laughs> and so at one point, when he was telling his story about something that happened, uh, he stopped and turned to his wife and said, Honey, did that happen with you or was that with Elizabeth? Remember, he has three wives. <laughs> and so uh, uh, his friend, they were just, you know, shocked and they want to laugh or what because he forgot uh, the time it oh, the, the time of that event, if it happens to the first wife, second wife, or the third wife. Now, because he had lived so long and been married to three wives, the events in each of the three marriages were hard to keep separate. You see, with us, events happen in a linear plane. We call it what? History. We call this history. One after the other. That's what we call history. The succession of events after one after another. But listen, for God, there is no past, there is no present, and there is no future. He exists in all those times at once. He exists as much in this present moment as he does in the time of Abraham, in the time of the return of Christ. He sees and experiences all those events at once since he sees eternality or eternity all at once. Remember this. Then is the same as now for God. Was is the same as is. I hope you will not get confused. God's perspective on time can be illustrated this way. Uh, every, every November, we know we have Thanksgiving, and one, one of the popular parades is, we call it, Macy's Parade. Now, if you go attend this coming year, you will be sitting, uh, you know, on the side of the street, but they have a center stage in which, of course, they will pass that center stage. As they pass, you only see those float, uh, float as they pass by in front of you, but you cannot see those behind, and you will never see those who just pass by before you. Now, the idea here is this. God can see the past, present, and the future as if he was riding on a helicopter, he can see all the views. Of course, even though he's not riding an helicopter, he can see everything. I'm talking about our understanding about our views. But God can see the past, present, and the future. Now, it is, it's interesting to know that Jesus confused and angered the Pharisees once by introducing the idea of his eternity in his discussion with them in John chapter 8. That's verse 48 until verse 59 when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> have, you, have you read this passage? They were really upset. Why? Because Christ said, Before Abraham was, I am. Why? It's because they knew that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Mary was the mom, and the stepdad was who? <laughs> Joseph. And then they were saying, you are a blasphemer. How dare you say that you were born before Abraham when in fact we knew your parents. You see, in this passage, if you will note, that Jesus Christ, he identified himself with God. You remember in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 14? Moses said, what name will I say if Pharaoh will ask that 
you will let his people go. And the Lord said, tell them, I am who I am. And so Pharisees knew very well the story of Muhammad between Moses and, and who? Pharaoh. And then when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, they were very angry. They want to uh, stone him to death. Because that is the punishment when you commit blasphemy. Jesus was saying that he existed before Abraham. And then he was the great I am of the Old Testament. And the Pharisees thought Jesus was just a blasphemer pretending to be God. They didn't understand that he was in fact the eternal God. Amen. He is the eternal God. So when we are going through difficult times in our lives. Raise your hands. Are you going through difficult times in your life right now? The reason why I am bringing all these God's attributes every Sunday as God's message to you is because I know life here in this world is not easy. It's really difficult. Especially we are now uh, experiencing all these things, all this chaos. Everything is going up. Life is becoming difficult. When life becomes difficult, we have to remember that God sees the present and the future at once. You only see the present. But when you understand that God is an eternal God and you are his child, you will rest in this. Lord, thank you for giving me the, this peace. This peace that surpasses all understanding because I know you know my past, present, and the future. And so therefore, I rest in your loving arms. And when you have that understanding and idea about who God is in your life, even though life is difficult, oh, you have joy. You have peace in your life. Amen. The present might be rife with difficulties, but the future contains the resolution of that situation which we can see, but God can. And therefore, Listen, therefore, you must not give up in the present. How many of you are ready to, to just throw the towel? Don't do it. Because in God, there is hope. And in understanding that God is eternal, He is present, past, present, and future. He knows the event in your life. That's enough for us. To have hope in life. Amen. Amen. We must trust that God is leading us toward a future that will work together for good, even though we do not as yet see what it is. Number three, not only God exists in the past, present, and future at the same moment or at the same time. Number three, God exists outside of time outside of time. See, this point is the obvious conclusion of the truth we just discussed in point number two. If God exists in the past, present, and future, then he obviously exists outside of time. Remember this, that time is a temporary phenomenon, not an eternal one. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? Everything changed. Life on earth became temporary instead of eternal as God put it in motion a redemptive plan by which man's holiness might be restored and he might enter once again into eternal fellowship with God. And so time as we know it 
Though it seems permanent, it is a temporary blip in the giant canvas of what we call eternity. God stands outside of time, life here on earth, looking down on it from his eternal perspective. Listen, it is very important for those of us who are bound by time to remember that God is not. Even though we are constrained by time at the present, our hearts still retain the call and longing for eternity. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, God put eternity in your heart and in my heart. Number four, God created time. Yes, we know God created time on the basis of Genesis chapter 1, 14 and 19. You see, the description of God putting the sun and the moon in the heavens to divide the day from the night and for signs and seasons and for days and years. Interestingly, those celestial markers will have different functions when the new earth is created and eternity is lived out from the new Jerusalem. You can read that in Revelation chapter 22 verse 5. Revelation chapter 22 verse 5 says, There shall be no more night there. Isn't it wonderful? No more night. New Jerusalem, new earth, new heaven and a new earth. No more night. How many of you don't want to sleep? Uh, you will enjoy in heaven. <laughs> According to the passage, there shall be no night there. Why? They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them the light and they shall reign forever and ever. In other words, you know, when we are in heaven, our time will not be measured by a day, a week. Why? Because there's no more night and there's no more morning. <laughs> and that's why, you know what, uh, the song, I can only imagine, imagine. I want you to imagine through the scripture, when we get to heaven, there's no more night. Today, our, our days are measured by day and night. You see, God created time. But in the end, we are already in his presence. No more time. Number five, God controls time. God controls time. Have you heard these people, they call them deist? Who are these people? See, deist is someone who believes there is God who created the world, but who is not involved in running it. Uh, the example of a clockmaker is used to illustrate this idea about God, okay? A clockmaker creates a clock, winds it up, and lets it run without further interference. You see, they just leave it, and then leave it. That's their idea. God created this world, and then God, he just left us on our own, according to them. See, God, according to them, they says, created the world and its inhabitants and system and is now allowing it to run on its own without interference from him. See, many people try to explain why bad things happen to good people by saying, God has taken a hands-off policy toward this world. That's the idea. So this are wrong. They are very, very wrong. Why? Because the review has no biblical support whatsoever. God is definitely in control of the times and seasons of your life and my life. He knows the time of your birth. He knows the events of your life. He knows the time of your death. He knows when you will die and when will I die. You remember, it is appointed unto man wants to die, and he knows when. We don't know when. In the book of Psalms 39, verse 4 and 5, uh, the Bible is very clear. Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, 
You have made my days as unbreath, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every person or every man at his best state is but vapor. Selah. Sino si Selah? Who's Selah? Selah is a Hebrew word means pause. It's not a name of a girl. Same thing with Psalms 139, verse 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And that's why those babies who are unborn, they are precious in the sight of God. We praise the Lord. Roe v. Wade was overturned. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your words and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. You see, again, he knows the time of your birth, events of your life, the time when this angel of death will usher you out from this world. Question this morning is this. Was that, what, what does the eternity of God mean to you practically, practically or in a practical terms? It means something specific, not just for Christians, but to those who are seeking and those who do not believe as well. Number one, first, the Christian and the eternity of God. How many of you here this morning, you know you are in the Lord, you are a Christian? If you know you are a Christian, this is for you, okay? The Christian and the eternity of God. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31, this passage it provides, a, provides a wonderful reassurance for what it means to know the everlasting God. The Bible says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Listen to what, you know, prophet Isaiah describes neither faints nor is weary. He doesn't faint or goes weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And, though, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Claim this verse, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. If you are his child, this is about you. You and the eternity of God. Here it describes who God is as he works in your life. <laughs> I like this verse because uh, this is my life verse. Isaiah 40 verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, I, it is nice to create a sermon on this. Studying eagles, they are wonderful creatures. And no wonder Isaiah likened us like an eagle. They're wonderful creatures. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not fail. And that's you, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Do not forget about that. Because you are worshiping an eternal God. And he is always with you. He knows your past, present, and your future. See, the everlasting God is always there, always with you. Don't forget that. And that's why I ask you, are you going into some difficult moment right now? I want you to remember 
God is always with me. God is not bound by space or time or circumstance, but is eternal and infinite. Regardless of how your life may have come apart in the past or present, listen, God sees it in the context of the future as well. He knows the future and what your life will be like. Couple the fact with his love and his goodness. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 and Romans 8 28. Remember those verses. His eternity becomes a great reassurance. His strength is always there even though ours may leave us. Number two. And only uh, this talks about Christians and the eternity of God, but also the eternity of God talks about seeker. Who are this seeker? See, if you are a person who is investigating Christianity, God and the person of Jesus, or the reliability of the word of God, you are responding to the, to the taste of eternity God has put in every human heart. Uh, I want you again to understand Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. The Bible says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. And this is what we're looking. Also, he has put eternity in your heart and in my heart. That's why listen very carefully. Those pleasures in life, those material things that we accumulate in life, the power that we want to have in life, the popularity that you want, those things will never, never, never satisfy you. Because King Solomon have already experimented in all those things and then he said, vanity, all things are vanity. In other translation he said, meaningless, all things are meaningless. All the temporal things that we covet in life will not satisfy you, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, because of this verse. He has put eternity in your heart. That's why people are seeking. That's why people are longing for something that will satisfy them. And the only person that will satisfy you is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Having that relationship through Jesus Christ to the Father. Yes. Study the life of King Solomon. He has everything. He is the wisest man who ever lived in this world. Talking about having wives. I always say this in the public. 700 wives, 300 concubines. 1,000 in total. And yet he said, meaningless. He was not satisfied. Even though each of us is unique, you are unique, I am unique, we do share that common hunger to know, and that's the eternal. See, some have suggested that our hunger for eternity is what separates us from the rest of the creation, which is true. Those gorillas, those monkeys that look like man, they don't have longing for eternity. They have only longing for food. But when it comes to eternity, that separates us. That's why you are here this morning, because of that. That's why every Sunday you are here, because of that eternity in your heart. And if you are here this morning, you are seeking, you are investigating Christianity. Respond to that. There is eternity in your heart. You will never, never be satisfied until you surrender your life to the Lord. Until you give up your life to the Lord. The moment you surrender your life to the Lord, then you will experience the peace, the joy, that surpassable understanding that you cannot really explain. Because God is eternal. We who are created in His image have a longing to reconnect with the eternal. Every person created by God is going to live. Listen. He created you in His own image. 
and expect this. When you die, you will live forever. Contrary to the naturalistic worldview uh, present in our culture, they said we do not just die and contribute our, our carbon remains back to the dust. Okay, that's not our belief. Okay? The human soul lives forever. When God created you, he put a spirit in you, and that's why that's the one who tried to connect with God. And when you die, whether you will go to heaven or hell, two destinations, that's why you will live forever and ever. You see, God, God looked upon the dual realities of man's mortality and man's immortality, eternity, and saw a conflict. And what is that conflict? We are made to live God is saying, you are made to live with me for eternity. But because they have been stained with sin, they can't. And so, to solve the dilemma, God the Father sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world, the realm of mortality. So in Christ, eternity, that's time, and a bridge for mankind into eternity was provided. When he died on the cross, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, remember this. You were already judged. I was already judged. Through Christ. He took the judgment on the cross for you and me. And that's why we just need to put our faith and trust in the Lord. Uh, uh, you see, embrace Christ and spend eternity with him. Reject Christ and spend eternity without him. Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has what? An everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. It's a wonderful thing to know this. We pass from death to life. And John the Apostle also wrote in 1 John chapter 5, 11 until verse 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us what? Eternal life. And this life is whom? In his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have what? Eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I like these verses because these verses will give us assurance as believers in the Lord to know that if we put Christ into our heart, when we die, we have eternal life. This is this these verses is just like our driver's license. You know, when, when the cop will pull you over, show to me that you are a driver, a legal driver. We will present our Arizona ID driver's license. It, it is a proof that we are a driver here in Arizona or here in America. How do you know you have eternal life? How do you know when you die you will go to heaven? 100%. This verse, God doesn't lie. That's why if, if you want to be sure, when you die, you go to heaven, invite Christ into your heart. Make him the Lord of your life. Those are words of reassurance. For the one who is seeking to touch eternity, it can only be accomplished by touching Christ Jesus. Three and last, non-believer and the eternity of God. See, I hope you will ponder the words of scripture I just quoted, okay? As an assurance to the seeker, for they apply to the one who will not believe as well. See, the Bible says that there is heaven for those who believe in Christ, and there is hell for those who don't. Uh, it, it is not real where you would want to live for a minute, much less an eternity. We, we, you know, we, many people joke about hell. Hell is not a joke. It is a real place. And we can avoid that one when we put our faith and trust in the Lord. I, I, I read, 
I, I read a story about this. There are two huge gates that leads into the Cathedral of Milan. I don't know how many of you have been to the Cathedral of Milan. Uh, I, I had never been there, but you know, when you are a wide reader, you can go. So I went by reading. <laughs> According to what I read, over one gate, there is an inscription in marble under a beautiful flower bouquet, and that says, and this is what it says on the first gate, the things that please are temporary. The things that please are temporary. Now think about the things that please you. They are temporary, according to that gate. Second gate, over the second gate, there is a cross with inscription. The things that disturbs us are temporary. What are the things that disturbs you this morning? According to that gate, they are temporary. However, over the central gate, there is a big inscription saying, this is what it says on the central gate, eternal are the important ones. Eternal are the important ones. And that's why, as you read the scripture, Jesus Christ said, man shall not live by what? By bread alone. He also said, you know, keep the treasure. The treasure in heaven is more important as compared to material things in this world. God has put eternity in your heart and in my heart, and you likely know it at this moment, regardless of your perspective towards Jesus Christ. My prayer for you this morning is this, may you choose, if you have not already done so, to spend eternity with Him. Remember this, eternal life is the gift He entered Time to give. I hope you will understand that indeed God is eternal. And He gives you eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful morning. I'm praying, Lord, that if there are any individual here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that you will help them connect with you. They cannot do it on your own unless, oh Father, you speak to them. Unless, oh Lord, you call them. Oh Lord, we thank you so much for what you will do. And for us Christians, oh Lord, help us to face this world with boldness, with confidence. Because we know that you are always with us. Thank you. Bless the rest of the day. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name.